be advised, we understand some of the content of this presentation may be emotionally triggering in nature. Please listen as you feel comfortable. Hi, everyone. Today, we welcome Angel Degg to our um, Tusk Against Trafficking podcast. Angel's going to share a little bit about her journey as a uh, survivor of sex trafficking. Uh, so let's go ahead and start. Angel, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do now? Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of my life, what I'm doing now. Um, so I work for Rahab Ministries. I am the program coordinator at the Drop-In House in um, Akron, Ohio, um, which is located on Matthew Street. And I absolutely love um what i do i i remember um on april fool's day is uh when the lord really touched my heart i always knew him um but he touched my heart and i just remember a fire ignited it was just a spark to start mm -hmm. but i knew then i wanted to help women trapped where i used to be um and so along the journey uh i met the founder of rahab actually um she was sent to see two people in jail Mm -hmm. And uh, by God's grace and direction, um, I'm the one that ended up sitting in front of her uh, between a glass. Mm -hmm. And uh, so basically, 11 months later, I basically told her, um, well, I'm going to stalk you here on earth all the way to heaven. <laughs> and uh, I want to work for Rahab. I knew that's uh -huh. what I wanted to do oh, because awesome. they worked with the women uh -huh. uh, that were trapped where I once was. Mm -hmm. And so I am there and we do um, Bible studies mm -hmm. and we are family Mm -hmm. Um, it's always exciting for the women that's always, that's been coming for a long time and the new family that's stepping through the mm -hmm. door now. Mm -hmm. And we, um, offer food home cooked by amazing women that have been chose by the hand of God to cook, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can eat homemade meals there at Rahab and they can shop and get personals and, and it's all free. And it's just basically revolving around loving the next person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's interesting that you bring that up because one of the common themes that we've seen throughout these podcasts is um, what we as community members can do in being intentional in relationships with people. And that's basically what you just described. Yep. So yep. that's great. Yes. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you some questions about your past, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Um, how did you first connect with your trafficker? Um, basically, I was looking for a knight in shining armor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I had already been in abusive relationships, um, trying to hold on. Um, mm -hmm. I got mixed up with what love was and, and kind of just fell into a deep, dark counterfeit love, mm -hmm. believing that was love. Mm -hmm. uh, so the guy that actually uh, put me on the street um, basically told me he was going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is it. You know, I'd heard it a million times. I'm going to mm -hmm. love you. I'm going to take care mm -hmm. of you. And so when he said it this time, it was just that hope. Mm -hmm. that this time it was really true what he, what this person was saying. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so from there, um, abuse. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, you know, he put me in my first car. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was pretty untamable after that. Mm -hmm. um, Full-fledged on drugs. and uh -huh. you know. So he saw that vulnerability in you, and he, he took advantage of that. 
Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. What kinds of things did your trafficker do to exert control over you? You mentioned drugs and you mentioned uh, telling you that he loved you and was going to take care of you. Yeah, I think that was like really the beginning. Actually, um, I was trying to hold on to that part. Um, mostly it was force, uh, physical abuse mm-hmm. and mental abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much kept me beat down. Um, I was pretty beat down at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had just teamed up with it. I was worthless and nobody and ugly and dumb. And mm-hmm. the only thing I could have is, is this guy that was standing in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the deeper I got in drugs, uh, the less I was being, you know, the less he could control me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so at what point in your life did you know you wanted to make a change? You kind of touched on this when you talked about the, um, Director Rahab showing up. Yes. Um, there was several um, times I felt in my heart that I really wanted to get out of jail and, and do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, even maybe walking the streets alone and, you know, just in a very dark place where I felt that I might have had some clarity. But when I was in the Summit County Jail, mm-hmm. I knew. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I knew, but I mm-hmm. had a pressing feeling that that the drugs and alcohol were the end. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I was like, oh, my God, I can't tell anybody this. I've been saying this for 23 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. But um, nobody's going to believe that I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kept listening to the voice of Christ, and, mm-hmm. and I knew that th- that there was something different out there for me. And I really heard for the first time, now I knew Jesus but I really heard for the first time from an amazing young lady in there what actually happened at the cross. And from that point, I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted something different. For the first time, I was experiencing um, a love deeper, even, deeper than even my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom would have gave her life for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and that point made me, I wanted to come out differently. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned you were involved in trafficking for 23 years well i was involved in drug addiction drug addiction yeah okay and so um later you know um when i was forced into my first car Mm -hmm. i I believe i was in my 30s Mm -hmm. um and you know of course there's with that life um basically um you know i was raped Mm -hmm. fell uh fell out Mm-hmm. Can't really say I fell asleep up too many days and my body just fell out. Mm-hmm. Woke up in many of them houses, not really sure what happened or what they did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically that's the a long time. I that's a long time to have that lifestyle. Yeah. And then you had to have worked so hard to make a change. Yes. Coming. The change I knew needed to be me bringing up the things that happened. I mm-hmm. needed to bring them out of me. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing, especially when it came to the sex part mm-hmm. of healing. I mm-hmm. did not want to look at that part. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like broken glass coming back up through me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like the more that I would tell, mm-hmm. the freer I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until three years ago that I really, um, Jesus brought me to my face in my living room. Mm-hmm. And I was um, pretty much so, I had pressed down the sex abuse and all that so mm-hmm. deeply that I didn't realize that was the real thing that was hurting me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was using sex as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, I was angry and bitter, mm-hmm. um, unforgiving. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I remember just screaming out to the Lord, please change my hard heart back mm -hmm. into flesh. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began to look at uh, the sexual abuse and I started talking about it and bringing it out. God has put the most amazing women mm -hmm. in my life for me to be able to um, really just talk about everything that happened, be an open book, mm -hmm. uh, to have no secrets whatsoever. And uh, Becky Moreland is that, mm -hmm. is that amazing angel she put in mm -hmm. that God put in my life. Mm -hmm. That's, um, that's really an interesting story. And I'll tell you why, because in one of the other podcasts, or maybe several of them, we've talked about the need to not be judgmental yes. of people. And, and that's exactly the story you tell yep. is people accepting you for who you yep. are, where you are, and then helping you move forward into a better place. Amen. I agree. Um, so one of the things, because we are trying to use these podcasts to increase awareness around yeah. human trafficking, both labor and sex trafficking, and also to give the community some awareness about different things that each of us can do as community members. So my question for you is what community supports did you find the most helpful uh, along your journey? Um, most definitely was the love that I was shown at mm -hmm. Rahab. It made me want to, I wanted to be there all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I loved how I walked in and it didn't matter who I'd been. It didn't mm -hmm. even matter who I was then because mm -hmm. it took a long time. You don't just wake up one day and everything's better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it mm -hmm. took a long time. I slipped oh. and slide all over the narrow path. Mm -hmm. I told God, okay, I'm not going to use, but I'm going to slip and slide all over this narrow uh -huh. path. Mm -hmm. And so I was still caught up in prostitution and all kinds of stuff because I didn't think I was worth more than that. I'd uh -huh. been told over and over and over for years mm -hmm. that I was worthless. I was always going to be nothing but, you know, who knows? They call me all kinds of names. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt, well, I'm not better than that. So I'm going to have to do this to be able to have money and this. And that. But when mm -hmm. I went to the people at Rahab, they told me all the things that Jesus said I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That rocked my whole soul. Mm -hmm. That rocked my soul. When I heard you talk in Wayne County, mm -hmm. one of the things that you said was when somebody came to you at the jail cell and said, there's somebody here to see you. You were really excited because you thought, who would come see me? Can well, you tell that story? Yeah, so I'm in the Summit <clears throat> County Jail, and I think I'd been in there around a week, and I was pretty foggy mm -hmm. still. I'm coming off 23 years mm -hmm. of using drugs and alcohol. Um, and I heard my name over the intercom, and they said I had a clergy visit. So I asked the lady next to me, what is that? I'd never <laughs> heard of that. And she said, oh, some lady wants to talk to you about Jesus. And I, f I flew up the steps. I, I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And that's when I ended up in front of Becky and not knowing who she was for another 11 months. It took mm -hmm. 11 months for me to find her again. Mm -hmm. uh, but I got good skills. <laughs> I learned them. And, and I used them to find her. And um, I remember we had, a, we had a pretty long conversation that day. For our, you know, I think they were half hour visits. I can't really remember. But the only thing to this day I still remember was her looking at me and telling me that Jesus loved me. And I knew he did. I never thought he didn't, but I needed to hear it. And mm -hmm. I just felt like that's who he had brought mm -hmm. to tell. You could just see the, the compassion for mm -hmm. me in her eyes. She didn't know me. 
Mm-hmm. She does now. <laughs> because always, you hunted her down. That's right. I always say she retired from rehab, but not from me. <laughs> that's fun. Um, so life is really hard, and, and we know situations, people get themselves in situations that really yeah, aren't easy. That's right. Um, so what words of encouragement would you give to young people as um, as they're trying to start on their journey and um, not get lured into such dangerous situations like you ended up with? Um, well, th- there was, okay, so... A lot of people over the years, um, you know, tried to say the right things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't until I began to believe who God says I was, Mm -hmm. that I I started to build a personal relationship and really know who I was in Christ. I remember Becky uh, one time. I I was all, you know, coming back up through all that mess to get past it, to Mm -hmm. start healing through it, Mm -hmm. um, was a lot. It was a lot Mm -hmm. because I started being hard on myself. Right. Um, I've, I've been my worst critic, believe me. <laughs> but I remember her just stooping down and being eye level with me. I was sitting in a chair and she looked me right in my face and she said, I could tell you you're beautiful until I'm blue in the face, but until you know it, mm-hmm. it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And um, that hit me. Yeah, that is pretty powerful. That hit me. And and so I started saying who Christ said I was. I'd look in the mirror at myself, and it didn't mm-hmm. matter what I felt I was. Mm-hmm. I told myself the truth of who I was. Mm-hmm. And that began to build a confidence in me, um, but also kept me humble. Mm-hmm. And um, like today I know who I am mm-hmm. and whose I am mm-hmm. and and. You know, because for years I walked with my face to the ground. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you need to say the truth to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that a feeling is just that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And not to listen to what the world says, but listen to what Jesus says. That's, a gr- that's great advice. Um, because I think sometimes we get caught up in the opinions of the people yeah. around us which in some cases are pretty damaging. Very. So that's great advice, especially for young people, because young people seem to uh, really thrive on other people's opinions. Oh, yeah, I did for a long time, all the mm -hmm. way up into my adult years, Mm -hmm. hoping, you know, and and, and whatever they said, that's who I thought I was. Mm I kind of developed this theory over the years. I was, I was, it wasn't always like this, but I've pretty much decided that I only value the opinions of people that I respect. Yes. Because the other people's opinions really shouldn't matter. That's right. And that's kind of what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, what words of wisdom would you give adults uh, on uh, how to prevent or stand up against uh, human trafficking in their community? Um. You, you need to be paying attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's really hard to be involved in things, you know, put, you know, if you see something, it's hard to, but you know, we need to stand out in faith because our children and, and even adults are being drugged in mm-hmm. to a world that is dark and hopeless. Right. Um, so you need to be educated on what to be looking for. Um, get as much education as you can, um, know what to say. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful. 
uh, of the words that you use. You don't mm-hmm. want to drive someone from you. Um, but, and I'm still, I mean, I think our education is going to, you know, go all the way until the time we're standing in front of the Lord. Right. Um, so always be willing to hear. It's hard. It is very hard to listen. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to hear um, the things that you need to be paying attention for. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't know the information, then you can't help. Mm-hmm. And then once you do know, you can't unknow. Mm-hmm. So I would say be educated. Find, you know, I think Rahab, and it's not because I work for them. <laughs> it's because I think they give an amazing um, presentation mm-hmm. on what it looks like, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people will think, you know, the creepy man in the van right? and, and stuff like that does happen. Um, but what mostly happens is what's called Romeo or finesse trafficking. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for broken children, broken women, broken, uh, you know, boys mm-hmm. uh, are also trafficked. They're looking for people that cannot look them in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, because those are the children and the people that need to hear mm-hmm. uh, who they are from others. Mm-hmm. And that's their victims. Mm-hmm. And then they, boy, from there, it's horrible. Yeah. That's um, one of the things that's been a big concern of ours and probably what led us to creating these podcasts yeah. at this point in time is with the COVID crisis that um, we are sending our kids a different message about internet usage. Yes. And we know that a lot of these traffickers connect with these kids through the internet and we're um we're hoping that these podcasts will help bring that knowledge to the community about what to watch and be in all your kids business (laughs) (laughs) that's funny we just heard that with our podcast on internet safety um it's true i i really i believe that is absolutely true that we have to do that kind of thing and Um, As much as it seems like, it's not that you don't trust your kids, it's that the perpetrators are so savvy and so smart that we have to team together to get with them. There's a lot of times the kids think they're talking to somebody their age, Uh and it's not the case. Mm -hmm. You can make yourself anyone on that internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are all the questions I really had for you at this point. And I feel like we haven't really covered everything that, that I would like you to share with us. Would you like to talk about your story a little bit more on your own? Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I just, I started out in a family I love. I mean, my family was love. I, I grew up in, I grew up in a place that, um, uh, you know, my mom, she was involved in everything with us, um, mm-hmm. tap, baton, mm-hmm. um, uh, gymnastics, you mm-hmm. know, um, PTA, school mm-hmm. mom, all those things. Um, so I knew, you know, I was loved in my family. Um, my dad was raised in an abusive family. Um, so, but I learned later on in life that you can only give what you have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and today our, my relationship with my dad is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, God restores mm-hmm. relationships, but what happened is I'm living in Hartville and, you know, we have a pool in the backyard and mm-hmm. all the kids come for pool parties, birthday parties, all, mm-hmm. you know, every bonfires, we're doing everything together as a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all family. And I find out just before I turned 13 that I'm moving to Arizona. Uh-huh. My dad's uh, been transferred through his trucking company. Mm-hmm. 
And um, here I grew up in a school. I never felt different. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's when I realized I had red hair and I began to speak <laughs> death all over my life. And I don't even know really how I got there. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe wholeheartedly that the tongue holds the power between life and death. And I was so worried. What are these kids going to think? What, you know, what's going to happen? So we get out there to Arizona and I'm, I'm bullied. Mm -hmm. um, I'm being told that I'm ugly and this, you know, I'm different. You know, and I learned to really walk with my head to the ground and my hair in my face because um, mm -hmm. I thought, who should ever have to look at somebody as ugly as me? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got involved with a guy. Um, they were people that also transferred down. And we ended up having to stay with them a few days. While I, I don't know if it was paperwork or whatever was getting done because we were transferring from a place we moved to when we first got there into more closer to the city in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he came in one night and he wanted sex. And I said, absolutely not. And he said, well, then I'll find somebody that loves me. And that fear mm -hmm. of him leaving grabbed a hold of me and made me do things against my own best thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and so I gave myself away. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much I got thrown away after that. Mm -hmm. And um, from that point forward, um, somewhere in my head, was I had to give myself away for someone to love me. Mm -hmm. And so I began to give myself away over and over and over again and just got beat down through it. Mm -hmm. um, way before I started working the streets, uh, I remember being raped out in Arizona and uh, by someone that basically drilled in my head that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. uh, it was somebody that I, I could, thought I could trust to take me home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that wasn't his plan after all. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that really attached um, from that point forward that I deserved it. Mm -hmm. And from then on, I didn't care about myself um, through a lot of things that have happened. So how old were you at that point? I moved at 13, um, maybe. Wow, <laughs> I am getting old. I don't know. Somewhere through my early teens, teens uh -huh. yeah, may, you know, I might even have been 18 at this point, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I dropped out of school and I later got a GED. I was 19 by then. Mm -hmm. um, somewhere in between there. Mm -hmm. I was young. I moved back at, by the time I was 23. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, from there, it just I pretty much was searching for someone to love me. Mm -hmm. I wanted someone to love me so much. Um, so... Uh, got involved. I think by the time I was smoking cigarettes and drinking beer, um, at the age of 13, I mean, when I say smoking cigarettes, I turned all shades of green before I could even get it to go down. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself as I get older, why would I do that? Um, and then when I drank, I, I could hardly swallow it. I mm -hmm. hated it so bad, mm -hmm. but I wanted more to be out of my head. Mm -hmm. And this stuff made me fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I didn't have to think about the things that I thought I was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I, I say all the time, I took all their lies mm -hmm. and I shoved it deep inside of me and made it my truth. Mm -hmm. And alcohol and drugs took my thinking to a level of believing I was different than what I beat myself up with on a daily basis. So by the time I was uh, 14 and 15, I, I mm -hmm. think maybe 16, I was snorting cocaine. Mm -hmm. um, and my thinking was so distorted that I, you know, my, I, my nose would bleed all the time. So I said, well, I should smoke 
crack, that might be better. Yeah. <laughs> so, so by the time I'm 17, that's what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And uh, all along, no matter where I go, I'm giving myself away. And mm-hmm. um, it does something to you. Mm-hmm. And I was just explaining to somebody the other day, being raped does something inside of your body, mm-hmm. does something to deepen your mind uh, that feels like you can never heal from. But mm-hmm. that's not the truth. You mm-hmm. can heal. Mm-hmm. And I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lived in a deep, dark place in my mind for a long time of the violations that happened to me. Um, and I wanted to get back for all that had happened mm-hmm. until the day I finally surrendered. And today I, I forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, that let me off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really pretty much going from one drug to the next and then crack it, it took me to a place of some serious darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I, I was on that for a year in Arizona and then I wasn't, uh, um, I didn't mess with that again for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got back to Ohio, um, whew, man, I came face to face with crack again and it, it took me to a, a level here in darkness that I didn't know even existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I got married um, to a guy going to prison mm-hmm. because I was looking for love. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, if he wants to marry me. Yeah, he had 18 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So um, he really just needed somebody for, to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I love about Arizona is I met some f- people that I can call family, people mm-hmm. that loved me, um, a family that couldn't afford me and still um, allowed me to live there. Mm-hmm. So I had a experience of what love really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was after uh, a deeper love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one that I got confused in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I moved back here, um, I thought, man, it's, I'm finally away from them, you know, pointing mm-hmm. my finger mm-hmm. and got back out here to Ohio thinking it was everybody else's fault, but mine. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in a place in Kent at some bar and, uh, I think I realized then that I was the fool and that I was taking myself everywhere I went. And that's why things were happening. And from there, it went deeper, more drinking, more mm-hmm. drug use until um, I came face to face with crack again. And it landed me on my back and I couldn't get back up on my feet mm-hmm. and um, just abusive relationship after abusive relationship. And um, till the day that I met the guy that I thought was going to take care of me. And I thought for, this was it. This is, mm-hmm. I finally... Um, have someone that's going to love me. And he, he beat me. He raped me too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he put me in my first car. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can, I can think about them things today and be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think thinking of the past, something's still sting. I don't know that sting will ever leave. Um, And maybe it doesn't need to, uh, so that I never Uh forget. Mm -hmm. Um, But though in and out of them cars, um, that was some, that, that was some dark ground. Mm-hmm. And um, the deeper I went, the, the less I cared about myself. I remember mm-hmm. one night being on Broad Street in Akron, and I just mm-hmm. yelled as loud as I could. It, it was the wee hours of the morning. And I said, God, kill me mm-hmm. or save me, mm-hmm. but don't let me live like this anymore. And then mm-hmm. I was in a paddy wagon. I said, hold up, God. <laughs> <laughs> hold up. I don't want to be saved like this. <laughs> Um, and then that began my in and out of the Summit County Jail. I ended up in prison. Uh, prison was a horrible experience. I came out feeling less than I already felt getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the guards and the way they talked to you and mm-hmm. belittled you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got back out, I, I remember having a time in prison that I really did want to get better. 
Mm-hmm. And so I thought, man, I'm going to do it when I get out. And I just kept telling myself over and over that I was nobody. Mm-hmm. And so three weeks out of prison, I was back on the streets, mm-hmm. um, back selling myself, uh, back using drugs, uh, back letting men pretty mm-hmm. much just do their way. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until I went, I got arrested on March 31st. And I woke up in uh, the Summit County Jail on April Fool's Day, and I mm-hmm. said, God knows a fool when he sees a fool. <laughs> and so thank God that he takes care of fools, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up that morning, and I felt something. I didn't know at the time what it was, but I know mm-hmm. today that was the presence of my Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. That was him. Mm-hmm. And all this, this woman started um, like talking, and <clears throat> I, I just started watching her. And the way she looked, the way she shined, the way she talked was opposite of me. Mm-hmm. And I said, whatever that is, I want it. Mm-hmm. She was in the Bible all the time. And uh, that's when I learned about what really went down at the cross. Mm-hmm. And then I got transferred over to the Glenwood Jail, <laughs> back on the phone, prostituting, mm-hmm. trying to get cigarettes, trying to get money, trying to do this, trying to do that, forgetting all the things that I asked God to save me from. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was sitting at this church service. I don't think, I, I don't know if I've ever um, said this on a podcast or anything, but I'm sitting in this service at the Glenwood jail with this amazing lady that came in every week. And I was, had my arms crossed and I said, who wants to go to heaven and just praise God all the time? I had an attitude that day. I wanted out. I had 390 days. I was so upset. The judge wouldn't let me go. And this song came on that I was forgiven because he was forsaken. Mm-hmm. And it did something inside of my heart mm-hmm. that just gave me the thirst and the hunger mm-hmm. to be less of me mm-hmm. and more of him. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward I messed up a lot because I couldn't get past the point of who the people said I was Mm -hmm. but as um, 11 months later I meet Becky Moreland Uh, Mm -hmm. actually I stalked her until I found her (laughs) and um, I stayed on her heels Uh you're going to hang out with me (laughs) I need whatever you've got I need it in my Uh own life and it was Jesus Mm -hmm. and she loved me like the only other woman that had ever loved me like that was my mom. Mm-hmm. And that, that's an amazing story. And I think, um, you know, one of the things we we do, do talk about is how um, people who are victims tend to just keep going back. Yep. And we, we really have a hard time understanding that. So sometimes, <laughs> but, but so yeah, but there's back. that, but the other thing that, that you talk about is this, this hope that just keeps coming to yes. you at different points and dragging you in a different direction. Yes. And I mean, I mean, God overall mm-hmm. is the one that was really showing the power, mm-hmm. showing the, you know, the favor. Um, I had went to Akron U many years ago and I messed up a lot of money mm-hmm. and to the point where they made me sign a paper. that if I messed up anymore, I was done. (laughs) And of course I messed up. I was an addict and I wasn't willing to be Mm -hmm. truthful. And 10 years went by and there's a big, long story connected to it. But I end up hearing, I'm I'm working at this place in Talmadge that ends up exploding. I should have been there that morning, but the, 
I felt something to come in later that day mm-hmm. and I made the paper and I remember standing in the parking lot and I heard God tell me that I was going back to Akron U uh-huh. <laughs> and told him, I don't think you know what you're saying. <laughs> Those people said, never come back. And, um, you know, I ended up going back to a school that said I could never get another dime. Mm-hmm. And they gave me $30,000 and I graduated a straight A student. And, and what God showed me was that man didn't have the final answer, mm-hmm. that he was the final mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. And he showed me that he mm-hmm. built me for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that purpose was to show other women who they are mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And just be a part of loving on them right where they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm kind of the iron fist of Rahab. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think there's a woman that comes through them that don't know how deeply I love them. Mm-hmm. Just like Becky loved you. That's loves right. You. That's right. That's right. Now, do they hunt you down like you uh, Some of them have, yeah. <laughs> I had a girl tell me one time, I've been stalking. I stalk you. And I'm like, yeah, I know all about that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we want to really thank you for coming and sharing your story with us. This has just um, just been an amazing discussion, and I'm honored to have sat here at this table with you and to hear all the wonderful things you've done and and the relationship with God that you've uh, fostered all this time to get you to the place where you are now. And and I know that you will keep doing great things along the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to contribute to anti-trafficking efforts in Tuscarawas County, you can send your donations to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. Please be sure to indicate human trafficking in the memo line. We appreciate your partnership in this work. Together, we can make a difference.